Well, if you can believe it, the All-Star break is over, and we're back for the final push for this Minnesota Wild season. It'll be interesting to see how things go over the course of the final 33 games. It's That final push starts tonight at the United Center in Chicago while taking on a very bad Blackhawks team. A chance for the Wild to get a very badly needed victory. Out there at the United Center, the radio tandem of Joe O'Donnell and Tom Reed are standing by. Gentlemen, I trust the All-Star break was good to both of you. Sure was. <laughs> How you doing, Kevin? Well, really good. It's good to hear your voices. Well, we both, we, TR, both, yeah. both, we both looked at each other. Yeah. Who should go first? And who, to, who told you that, Kevin? Well, I just assume that getting an opportunity, to, whether it is to spend time with your kids for Joe or spend time at the pub for you, that that would be a welcome opportunity. It's no. been a week and a half since we were last uh, saw this wild team on the ice. You know, it's really interesting. When you start the season, you get in training camp, and you're really excited. You get to the Christmas time, and it's a break, which is nice. Then you get into January, and all of a sudden it becomes the dog days. You really get tired, and it's long and so on, and all of a sudden you're looking up. Here comes the, here comes the all-star game, and then all of a sudden you got the you know the uh, deadline for the the trades trades and so on and it goes really fast but there's that certain time in january i think it gets a little bit stale uh for everybody not not just for the players i think for the fans too but they're looking for something big to happen for minnesota and hopefully it'll start here tonight joe it's too bad the way they went into the all-star break they had an opportunity to make some noise after that win over washington they had two cupcakes on the schedule i don't mean cupcakes but nashville and anaheim are right there for the taking you beat the predators you're within two of the final playoff spot in the west and then they follow it up not only losing but to the predators but dropping one to the ducks there on hockey day minnesota how bad do you think that sat in the pit of their stomachs during that break I mean, for me personally, it was extremely disappointing because you laid it out there. I mean, they had an opportunity, both games at home. They had, I think, won three in a row going into that game against the Preds. And then they had a lead in the third period in both games. And to see a third period lead, again, the Wild hadn't led or hadn't lost in regulation all year when leading after 40 minutes. And it happened in back-to-back games with regulation losses when leading after 40. So, Tough way to go into the break. Hopefully the players were fresh and ready to go. John Hines keeps using the term uh, runway, that the team's running out of runway, essentially, the later this season gets without making a push towards that postseason. So we'll see if they can get it back on track here tonight against a Blackhawks team that isn't scoring, wasn't scoring a lot going into the break, has dropped four in a row coming into tonight, and they're still without Connor Bernard. So um, this is another game that when you look at it on paper, you feel like Minnesota should have the edge. Yeah, the one thing also, Kevin, when you look at those two games they lost, it's not like they were powerhouse teams either. And Minnesota certainly is not a powerhouse at this point, but they, those are two games they could not afford to lose, and, but they did. Now they've got to try and make up some ground here. And with 33 games to go, it's very tough. It's, it's especially trying to leapfrog their three, four, five teams to get into that final, final playoff position. But you know what? It has to start someplace. Hopefully tonight's the night. If you want to know something dangerous, it's me and mathematics. But I did the math. The, the Wild come back to the action. They've got 47 points in the bank. You probably need somewhere in the vicinity of 95 to make the playoffs. That means they need another 48 points. That means a 24-9 and record over the course of the final 33 games. I'll put you on the spot first, Tom. Can this wild team do it? It's going to be hard, Kevin. I don't think there's any question about it. You look at Minnesota right now, 47 points. At this point, this stage of the game last year, in the 49 games, they had 58 points. That's a huge difference. So Minnesota's got to find a way to get there. I'm not sure it's going to beat the 95 points yet either. I'm thinking it might be closer to 93, 94, someplace in there, to be honest with you. And I'm not you know, just throwing numbers at you, but uh, Minnesota's got to find a way. But they've got to win. I mean, you've got to win games you should win. 
You can't step on the ice and think, oh, well, this is a bad team, so we should have no problem with this one. That's what they did, I think, against those last two games that they they lost, and they should they should have had much more of a solid effort against them. They didn't, and as a result, they walked away with nothing. Going into that break, Joe, the Wild did make a move. They claim Declan Chisholm, a defenseman off of waivers from the Winnipeg Jets. What are you hearing about him? Doesn't sound like he'll make his Minnesota Wild debut yet, but I'm guessing he's chomping at the bit to get some ice time. Yeah, I think they want to get him up to speed as quickly as possible. Obviously, um, he met the team in Chicago today. You know, when you acquire a player of Canadian descent, you got to have the work visas and stuff lined up. And so they were able to get him in to meet the team today. He did skate this morning. Uh, He's got some pretty good size to him. I know that John Hines mentioned that he's a good skater. He just hasn't played a lot of hockey really this year or last year. He's sort of been that tweener between the American League and the NHL team. And just because of circumstance with Winnipeg, their defense have been relatively healthy this year. He was kind of the eighth defenseman. Um, So conditioning stint in the AHL, back in the NHL, and just kind of sitting in the press box a lot. So it'll be interesting to see when he gets up and running with the Wild, which I would imagine would be maybe as early as Friday, but potentially uh, for that game in Vegas on Monday, could see his wild debut potentially, and and we'll see what they've got in a a young defenseman that they claim. They don't have to give up anything to get him, and uh, hopefully it pans out. I mean, you look around the league, there are waiver claims that turned out to be great acquisitions. I look at the Florida Panthers getting Gustav Forsling, a former Blackhawks prospect and young defenseman off waivers a couple years back. He's a mainstay on their blue line now, so I'm not saying Chisholm's that guy, but you can find a diamond in the rough sometimes on the waiver wire, and because where the Wild were in the standings, they had the ability to claim them. We'll see how it pans out. Chisholm will not make his Minnesota Wild debut tonight, as mentioned. Uh, no Jonas Brodeen either. He's got that sickness. Did skeet this morning, but he will sit this one out, and it sounds like there's a good chance he'll be ready for Friday's game against Pittsburgh here in St. Paul. However, Tom, the Wild do get Lou Nanny's grandson back, Vinny Letary, part of that slew of injuries that happened right around the first of the year. The Wild haven't been the same since guys started going out of the lineup. It started with him and that broken foot. Good to get uh, number 10 back out there. Yeah, it really is, Kevin. You look at him, he's played 19 games this year, picked up four points, three of those being goals, but I talked to him this morning at practice also, and he was saying that it still bothers him. He says, not enough to keep me off the ice so I can still play. So hopefully he'll give some energy to that, that, that group as well. He, he's looking to play. He wants to make a name for himself right now, but the thing against him also, he's 28 years of age, so he's got some catching up to do, and almost 29. In fact, uh, I think he is, is he 29? Yeah, he's 29, just turned 29 on February the, the 6th, so uh, he's one of those guys also that uh, will bring you a lot of energy and hopefully get uh, some points for his team along the way. And Joe, I know he's going to play on the fourth line, so how, how big of an impact can you have, but I really enjoyed watching Vinny Letary when he was healthy and now having the opportunity to get back out there. I'm anxious to see him uh, pick up where he left off. Yeah, I agree. Uh, The skating, the forecheck ability, um, you know, he was just sort of reliable. And, you know, when he goes out of the lineup in late December, you're you're maybe not thinking it's a huge loss, but I think ultimately when you look at it, it was a pretty big loss. This wild team doesn't have a lot of depth because of their salary, salary cap situation. And to lose anybody that's been a regular in your lineup for any length of time has just been damaging to this team. So, uh, glad to see Vinny Letary back, celebrate a birthday yesterday, turned 29, and uh, hopefully he can provide a little bit of a spark. Looks like he'll play with Jake Lucchini and Brandon Duhame tonight. Yeah, and they brought up Adam Beckman just in case Letary couldn't go. Uh, Beckman won't be in the lineup tonight, Tom, but it sounds like when he does get that opportunity, 
Boy, oh boy, he better make the most of it. Well, he has to, Kevin. He's played, played about four games this year, I believe, and he has not really done what he, they want him to do. So hopefully he'll have a chance to, to make something happen here. I saw he's got a big smile on his face just being up here. I can tell you that. He's a he's a happy-go-lucky kid, but at the same time, you want to play at this league, you got to produce. All right, Joe, so you got the Chicago Blackhawks on the docket. One of the, uh, the the talking points, of course, is their Rookie of the Year candidate in Connor Bedard. I'm going to have Pat Micheletti on in about 45 minutes from now, and to him it's no question. Brock Faber has leapfrogged over Connor Bedard and, in fact, is already in the National Hockey League Hall of Fame. He thinks that highly of Brock Faber. Has Faber closed the gap between uh, Connor Bedard for that uh, Calder Trophy? I mean, I think he has. I've been saying that for weeks and months now, um, you know, especially when Bedard got hurt. It's sort of like, all right, the kid hasn't played that much hockey. How um, how much stock can the voters put in at year's end if he misses 20-plus games on the season? But, look, we know how this thing goes. We know how much the league thinks of Connor Bedard and his future. It's I, I, I believe it's just going to be really difficult for anybody – um, you know, on the national stage to start talking about Brock Faber as long as Connor Bedard's got four limps, whether he's on the ice or not. So um, I agree. Faber deserves a lot of recognition and consideration at this point in the season when it's all said and done. I think he's certainly top five in Calder voting. But Bedard is skating, uh, could play as early as maybe the next game or two for the Blackhawks. Tonight will be the 12th straight game he's out. I think when he comes back, I mean, if he has any type of production and health, I just don't see how, ultimately, he's not the Calder Trophy winner at season 10. I don't agree with it, but I just think if he ends up playing like somewhere around 60 games, you know, I think ultimately he's the guy. You know, I was talking to Kevin Gorg yesterday, and I said to him, it's like a horse race. You know, just because a horse breaks out of the gate and is in first place doesn't mean he's going to wind up in first place at the end of the race. So he's got to got to compete the whole all the way around the track if you want to be that winner. That's what I'm saying. And, and Bedard's terrific, no, no question. If he wasn't hurt, he might be, you know, how far ahead, we have no idea, if, if, if anything. But uh, I think when you look at Faber, you look at Rossi, these two guys have really stepped up and really have contributed to this hockey club all the way through, uh, yeah, yeah, almost at the 50-game mark. That's an analogy I'm sure Kevin Gorg understood, T.R. Yes, he did. He was, was, he, was, he was a betting line in that one. I was going to 100% say, if anyone can <laughs> understand betting analogies and metaphors, it's one Kevin Gorg. I, I, but I came up with that, not him. I know, no. but he loved it, I'm sure. He, he probably, his eyes probably got big. He said, oh, my goodness, you're going to tie horses with me? Um, the, the other part about this time, though, you look at the Chicago Blackhawks, and yet it's almost by design that they're trying to bottom out once again. Already they have Connor Bedard. Now they're going to get another high draft pick. It'll probably be this Macklin Celebrini kid out of, out of Boston. They're going to dr- drive us into the ground here again th- with this Blackhawks franchise. After they get through these couple of years of, of grossness, they're going to add some talent here, and they're going to be a, a monster to contend with again. Well, they are, but <clears throat> there's no guarantee it'll be number one draft choice either, even though they may wind up the bottom team in the, in the uh, hopper because of the fact they do the draft drawing of the you know the ping pong balls at the same time if you remember what happened when they picked up Kay, uh, Kane and Taves how good this team became then they had a couple of defensemen and so on they really built and as a result of, uh, result of that one what three Stanley Cups from 2010 to 2015 so it's a team that is uh, uh, it's a it's an opportunity for them to, to get somebody good and they know that they're going to be near the bottom of the hopper now who's going to get that number one choice remains to be seen but uh, they certainly have a good one in 
in uh, Bedard, and we'll see what happens uh, at the end of the year. I'm going to let you go on this note, Thomas. Uh, after you guys are, after I cut you loose, I'm going to bring on a guy by the name of Kellen, Kel- Kevin Allen Spock, and he's a guy that wrote a brand new book, and it's about the 1990-91 Minnesota North Stars. It's a detailed book. Badano's got the forward. Royce's got the 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 whatever you call it on the, the back end of the book, but it's a thick book talking about that run there by the North Stars two years before they left town. What do you remember about the uh, the amazing run they had that year? Yeah, they were very, very good, no question about it. Of course, they went against Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh was a pretty good hockey club at that time, the, the talent they had. But they, actually, he's going to do a book signing in my pub uh, coming up here very soon as well. I'm not good. sure the exact date, so we'll see where it is, but we're giving that opportunity to sell his book, and hopefully uh, uh, that was a lot of fun for a lot of people. I remember Bob Kirsch and I doing the, 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 the finals in 81. Yeah, And, of course, all the changes were made and so on, and they had a different crew doing it in 91. But, boy, it's just a, a treat to be there, and there's a lot of good memories for those players and for the fans. Tom, Joe, welcome back to the Airwaves. We look forward to hearing you guys here shortly as we get ready to drop the puck. Thanks, Kevin. There yeah, they thanks, are. Thanks a lot, Kevin. <laughs> Out at the United Center. Man, I miss those guys. Don't you? And now we get a home game on Friday. Then they're going back on the road again after the Super Bowl. They'll be in Vegas come Monday. But for now, we get let's get let's enjoy this one. They're getting back in the in, onto the ice. The Wild are they're taking on the Blackhawks at the United Center, looking to bust up this two game losing streak. They need wins and they need them fast. Like we said, they probably need somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty four wins in the final thirty three games. Seems like a very tall task indeed, but let's see what can happen. It needs to start with a victory tonight over the Blackhawks in Chicago. Late start time. We're not dropping the puck on this thing until 8.52 in the central time zone. We're the doubleheader of TNT, so TV does it to you again. You wanted to get your sleep? Blame TV. Radio's there ready and, and, and waiting, but because we got a little extra time, that gives us some moments for an extended pregame. Talked about the fact that we're going to talk to Kevin Allensbach next. He's going to talk a little bit about the 1990-91 North Stars, talk about his brand new book. That'll be great. I checked in with Marc-Andre Fleury earlier this week to preview Marc-Andre Fleury night. That's coming up on Friday. Get your tickets. That's going to be fantastic. Crosby and Malkin in the house and Marc-Andre Fleury being honored for 1,000 games in the NHL and 552 wins. That'll be cool. Plus, we'll wrap it up with Pat Micheletti right around, I don't know, 8 o'clock or so, probably about 7.45. We'll get him on the air and talk about a lot of the things we just talked about with Tom and Joe, but we'll also talk about a little NHL as well. Maybe we'll bring Brett Blakemar into the conversation. Maybe we won't, but he's here, and so are you. Get ready for some North Stars talk when we continue with an extended pregame here on The Fan. Hey, this is Jonas Brodeen. It is an extended Minnesota Wild pregame. My name's Kevin Falness, live from the Bob Kurtz Radio Center. I'm in St. Paul in an empty XL Energy Center. That won't be the case come Friday when the Wild host the Pittsburgh Penguins on Marc-Andre Fleury night, but for now... I'm literally all alone. I think they're doing some painting across the hall. Someone somewhere might be doing something clean. But there's nobody down here. And Honestly, I don't know that I'd have it any other way. This works just fine. But it gives me an opportunity to go to the phone lines and check in with my good buddy Kevin Allenspock. He's got a new book out called Mirage of Destiny, the story of the 1990-91 Minnesota North Stars. And it's going to hit the shelves here on February 20th. Kevin, thanks for joining us and uh, sharing a little bit of your time. Absolutely, Kevin, and I miss you. I mean, I, I spent so much time uh, down at the XL Center uh, from the, when the Wild came in back in 2000 until uh, probably the mid-2010s there. 
when I was covering hockey for the St. Cloud Times and uh, certainly spent time with uh, you and Tom Reed and Aaron Sickman and everybody else in the press box. I miss those days. Well, now I know you're selling something because very, very rarely does someone say they miss me. So (laughs) you've been exposed. (laughs) (laughs) I can appreciate, though. uh, Yeah, I mean, you've certainly got a long history there. And, uh, you know, I'm sure, like you say, it's uh, it's comfortable for you whether the team is is on the road or at home, and, and I'm sure it's going to be pretty pumped on uh, Friday when Pittsburgh comes in. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, also pumped for this book. I, you, you were nice enough to send me one early, so I got an early sure. advance copy, and holy moly, this thing, I don't, I, I'd love to know what went behind the scenes to go from the idea to the completion, because this thing is not only thick, it's detailed. It's like you have every second of that season from training camp all the way through when they were bounced by Pittsburgh at the end of it and everything in between. How, how'd you do all this? Well, and I, I didn't intend for it to look like a textbook, and that's kind of the way that it turned out. And I'm sheepish to say that, believe it or not, what you see there in print is probably about maybe two-thirds of what I had to begin with. And the publisher said, no, no, we got to cut this down. <laughs> Uh, but I guess the, it's sort of the Cliff Notes version. Uh, I, you know, I was uh, I was in college at the University of Minnesota that season in 1990 and 91, and I was fortunate enough to get a, an internship. I was a, a PR intern with the team, and I, you know, at that point, I was pretty sure that my future was in media. I kind of knew that I wanted to be a sports writer, but I could not resist the opportunity. And you, you know, have access to it all the time to be on the inside of a major league sports franchise. And that's just so different from when you're, you know, a reporter covering the team. And so, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to get that opportunity. And, of course, you know, many people may know, or, or I guess maybe younger ones do not, uh, you know, the, the team that year, you know, was not very good. Uh, it, there was a change in ownership. Norm Green had just bought the franchise. Uh, people were not showing up. Um, and then about halfway through this sort of dismal season, this, this really, uh, you know, forgettable year, uh, all of a sudden the team started to win at home a little bit. And, you know, it was a much different NHL back then. It's, it's hard to compare, uh, you know, the, the league and, and, and the outlook for the North Stars at that time with, with what it is today with the NHL and the Wild. Um, you know, but, but like I said, they started to win just enough down the stretch. You only had to be in the top four out of your five teams in the division. So they basically had an 80% chance they were going to make the playoffs anyway. Uh, but, you know, then they go through this gauntlet and, the, and they started upsetting teams in the playoffs. And, and uh, as that went along, the state of Minnesota caught uh, fire for, you know, playoff hockey. And, and, you know, you've seen that occasionally, at least with, uh, you know, with the Wild. And, and uh, it was almost like, uh, you know, fans were on a drug. It was an unbelievable run, no doubt about it. This is Kevin Allenspach who's joining us. He's got a new book out, and it's called Mirage of Destiny. He's detailing and chronicling the 1990-91 Minnesota North Stars, and he basically has every second in it. And a lot of guys are quoted, and the the memories of, of Lou Nanny, Mike Madonna's quoted in there, saw Neil Broughton. I mean, just the, the names keep flooding back into my memory the more I page through this thing. That must have been fun to, to relive that magical run run uh, for, for yourself as well. Right. I guess, you know, my motivation for this, you know, like I said, I kind of knew that my future was in sports media uh, and that I wasn't going to wind up, you know, working, you know, in, in PR for, for a, a franchise. But, uh, you know, as I saw what happened that year, it was just, it was this rags to riches story. And unfortunately, you know, they got to the finals and 
a few things kind of conspired against them, and, and they did not wind up winning the Cup. And then even you know stranger than that, then less than two years after they were playing for the Stanley Cup, the team is gone. Norm Green took them to Dallas. Uh, and so it was just this, you know, this whole convolution of, of all these things that really, you know, almost like they came out of Hollywood. I mean, there's just so many things that are like, really, yeah, you know, weird stuff that had happened. And I was like, when I left that spring, I was like, somebody should write a book about this. And, you know, it was always in the back of my mind. And I had written, you know, I remember during the course of my career when I would run across Neil Broughton or some of these other guys, uh, you know, when I was a sports writer, I would I would write columns or write stories occasionally, kind of dredging this up. But I never had the opportunity to really dig into it. And fortunately, I guess that came around with the pandemic. You know, we're all sitting at home, and I was like, hey, I got to have something to show for my time here. Uh, and so I, I called Mike Madonna first, and I was like, you know, I'm going to shoot for the top. Uh, you know, Mike's the the only you know Hall of Famer who was on that team. Of course, he was a second-year player at that time, so he was just a kid. But uh, he and I are about the same age, and I figured, okay, you know, I'm going to approach him. I, you know, cross paths with him sometimes, you know, later on in his career. Not that he probably would remember me that much, but I reached out to him, and he's like, yeah, let's do this. And so, you know, I had quite a few conversations with him, and I just knew that if he got on board, the other, you know, other people were going to kind of fall into place. And that's really how it worked out. I mean, Bob Ganey was phenomenal. He spent hours reminiscing with me. And so many guys just, uh, you know, like I said, you know, embraced the project. And, and, you know, I was surprised, too. You know, I was conducting a lot of these interviews during the pandemic. And, you know, these guys were at home or they couldn't go out and do things. So, you know, it's kind of like they almost welcomed the, <laughs> the diversion. And yeah, right. I was surprised at how many of them said, you know, hey, thanks for bringing up these memories. Yeah, uh, for lack of a better word, my, my favorite part is the centerfold in this thing with the colored photos of uh, <laughs> of a lot of the big moments in that uh, in that season, but also the pictures of the Met Center and that big scoreboard that used to hang over center ice yep. there at, at the Met. Uh, that's cool stuff. And, and you've talked about some of the, the good names in this story. One of those names that you have mentioned is Norm Green. Uh, what was your yeah. working relationship with him back in the day, and were you able to track him down for this uh, this novel? <laughs> well, I was scared to death of Norm Green, just as most of the other people were who worked for him. I mean, pretty much everybody who you know was at Met Center at that time was kind of walking around on eggshells, and that even extends to some of the players. I mean, you know, they kind of had that sentiment here uh, looking back. Um, you know, I did have some interaction with, with Norm, and some of that is detailed in the book. I mean, you know, he could be very gracious and make you feel great, and he could make you feel like you were, you know, not even an inch tall. Uh, so it kind of depended on the circumstances in the day. But uh, suffice it to say, you know, with all the things that have happened, with, you know, him sort of being the – the villain, I guess, as far as taking the team away to Dallas, um, you know, he he has not been real, uh, you know, excited about spending a whole lot of time in the media talking about this. I, I figured that it was going to be a very difficult process to try to get him involved. Uh, and he did not participate with an interview in the book. If he had, I mean, geez, that probably could have been a separate book by itself. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, but I did contact quite a few people who have been in touch with him. And, and I, I believe that he, you know, it, it, at least probably got the message that this project was happening. Um, you know, like I said, I, I thought it was it was very unlikely that he was going to participate. And, and I understand that. And it's not 
you know, it's not a, a diatribe against Norm. It's, you know, the, the book is laying out what happened. Um, but then I think, you know, maybe the most important thing to touch base on here, Kevin, is, you know, it's like the first part of the book is, is a diary of that season and kind of, you know, how, how it came to be and, and what happened. But then the second half of the book is, okay, that was 30 years ago when I was reaching out to these guys. This would have been in, you know, 2020, 2021 uh, when I was talking to them. And, you know, that's a lot of time that's gone by since, you know, that year. And, and, and you know, a lot of these guys' careers, you know, are long over. Uh, you didn't make tons of money in the NHL back in those days. A lot of them have gone on to working careers just like you and I. And, you know, it was just interesting to me to, you know, sort of tell people whatever happened to all those guys and also to kind of get at, you know, they got so close to winning the Stanley Cup. I mean, you know, for those of us who love hockey, I mean, that is the goal. That is, you know, that makes you almost immortal if you get your name on the Stanley Cup. And they got so close and it got away. And, you know, some of them went on, you know, Madonna went on to win the Cup. A few other guys, you know, went on to win the Cup. Broughton got it. Uh, some of them went on to win it as coaches. But a lot of them, you know, they never did. And how do you live with that? You know, I mean, what what is, you know, how, how important is that in comparison to whatever else happened in the rest of your life? Yeah, that's it, what I tried to bring through in the second half of the it, book. It's incredible to think about that run they had in the playoffs in, in, in particular to go through Chicago, St. Louis, Edmonton, yep. and then finally get run over by Pittsburgh eventually. That final game is one that I, I'd, I'd like to forget, but I can't. I also, <laughs> we've all seen the highlight of John Casey when uh, Mario Lemieux steps over the blue line and just completely undresses the entire team, like walks right. around four guys, and then poor John Casey's hung out to dry there on the end uh, result of it. But, I mean, when you talk about, you know, that run, I, I still remember that vividly. And I remember how you couldn't watch it on free TV. Wasn't it uh, it was right. all pay-per-view because that was another thing that uh, Norm had going? Yep, exactly. I mean, yeah. you know, you couldn't watch the home games. I mean, you know, they were on pay-per-view. Uh, you know, Midwest Sports Channel was, was uh, you know, the, the, the channel that was putting those games on, and there was a lot of difficulty in terms of, you know, some cable operators would carry that, but most didn't. Uh, you know, so if you were way outstate Minnesota and were fortunate enough to be in a place where you could get MSC, you could watch those games, but you know the vast majority of people in the Twin Cities metro area, you had to pay you know ten bucks or twelve bucks or whatever the going rate was, depending on the round. Uh, so it was either that, or you had to go find a bar somewhere where it was on, or or else you got to listen to uh, the dulcet tones of Al Shaver. Yeah, which, uh, that's not a bad way to go either. Not at all. That, that's very true. I, again, so if folks want to get it, uh, it sounds like it's coming out February twentieth. We just had Tom Reed on. He yep. says you're going to be down at the pub signing at some point. Do you have that date? And also, yeah. how do people get that their hands on this book come February twentieth? Absolutely, and actually, you know what? You can get a little bit of a pre. Uh, a, a quick sneak of it. Uh, we're going to be at the Wild has been fantastic, by the way. And I, you know, thank you for this opportunity too, Kevin. But the Wild invited us down uh, to unveil the book before the February 17th game against Buffalo. So Great. we're going to be in the concourse, you know, that afternoon and and have books there if you want to take a look at it. If you happen to be at that game, otherwise, you mentioned uh, the the day that the book actually launches is going to be February 20th. And uh, it'll be available, uh, northstarpress.com is the, the publisher, uh, so that would be, I guess, the, the place where you should go if you want to go straight to the source. But it's also going to be on Amazon and, 
and uh, Barnes and Noble and Target and Indigo up in Canada. So there's there's a lot of different ways that you can pick up the book. And then we'll be down at the uh, uh, Boys State High School tournament too. The uh, Let's Play Hockey has their expo down there, and and we'll be set up at that both days too. So if people want to stop by and uh, reminisce and and uh, check out some memories. I guess we'll be right there, ready to fill the bill for you. Awesome stuff, Kevin. Thanks for uh, the trip down memory lane. Uh, congratulations Absolutely. on this magnificent book, and uh, good luck uh, pushing it out the door. Thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate this. Thanks for the opportunity. You bet. There it is, Kevin Allen Spock. He's got that new book out. It's called Mirage of Destiny, the story of the 1990-91 Minnesota North Stars. Find him on Twitter at Kevin Allen Spock. You can also find him at KevinAllenSpock.com. That's A-L-L-E-N. S-P-A-C-H. Get your hands on that book. It's a good one, especially if you're an old person like me and you remember that run, 1990 to 91. Uh, this is a, a heck of a run down memory lane. And uh, the pictures of the Met Center, Neil Broughton, Brian Bellows, talking about John Casey. There's a Kari Taco mentioned in there. Well, I can talk old-time North Stars, and that, that was fun. Hopefully you get your hands on that book, and I'm sure you will enjoy it. We're going to take a break, and then when we continue, we're going to check in with the future Hall of Famer, Mark andre Fleury. He's going to be honored later this week when the Wild return home to face off against his former team in the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll bring you a conversation with the Flower next on KFAN. Wild fans, what a pleasure it is to be joined by the best smile in hockey. It's Wild goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury. This season's flying by, Marc-Andre. You guys just got done with the All-Star break. The pictures give you away on Instagram. You went to Blue Waters and White Sand. How was it to get a little mental break? It was good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, It was good. It was good to... uh Get away a bit, recharge, uh, get get the mind off hockey for a little bit, right? Uh, get some sun, relax, and you know, um, have some laugh with the teammates. And um, really happy to be back. You know, I'm looking forward to a get going. I was gonna say, I saw lots of teammates, I saw lots of wives and girlfriends. I didn't see any kids. Now, that's my kind of vacation, Margaret. Did you go kid free? Uh, we did actually. It was the first time. Good for uh, you. Yeah, my mom uh, and sister came in and watched the kids, and also. Um, yeah, it was it was good. It was different different than our previous vacation, but uh, it was a good time. You're 50 games into the season. How important is a mental break like that? I, we know how hard you work, and you know over the course of your career, dating back to 2003, there's very few guys that work as hard and play as hard as you do. How important are those mental breaks throughout the course of a season? Uh, they're good. You know, I think yeah, for everybody on the team, I think we've been. Um, you know, battling, trying to climb up the standings and coming back in a playoff spot, right? Um, uh, but we played a lot of games um, last month, I would say, before the break, right? Like a lot of every other day or back-to-backs, you know, mixed into it. So um, I think it was good for everybody. You know, we had some banged-up guys a bit, right? So everybody can heal up a bit and... Um, Everybody's looking forward to get going. You were one of those banged-up guys. I got clipped up high uh, against the Panthers. I think it was up in, in Florida. You ended up playing the rest of that first period and then yanked yourself in the second. What, what was that like for a goaltender to have kind of those mental gymnastics? Am I okay? Am I not okay? Maybe I need to get the heck out of here. And same time, it was it was weird because I've never seen two goaltenders get pulled from a game <laughs> at the same time. So it, it was a, a weird circumstance. Yeah. Um, yeah, at that point, yeah, geez. Um, you know, I've had a few uh, a few concussions, right? And um, I never want to believe it, really. <laughs> you know, you always hope it's going to be fine. And 
um, I got to play the rest of the period and, you know, didn't feel too bad. But um, when the second started, I just felt very slow and sluggish. And, um, you know, I just uh, wasn't helping my team, you know, staying in there. And um, and I just thought to myself, and next whistle, you know, I'm going to go, or next time I'll wait, I'm going to go back to the bench. And I uh, didn't want to make a scene out of it, right? But uh, it happened at uh, Florida pulled a goalie, so... Um, that was a good timing too. The timing was what it was. Um, I assume it, it felt like you were back on the ice heading into the All Star break, and now with an extra time, I think it's nine games in between or nine days in between games. I assume everything's healthy, wealthy, and wise. We're we're good to go. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I passed my uh, computer test, you know, before before we left for the break, and uh, been feeling better over the week. Right, it was good to. Get my mind away a bit, right? Trying to rush things back on the ice, and um, nobody asking me how I'm doing. You know, yeah, <laughs> saying, right. How are you? How are you so I think it was good just to get away, and uh, it's good to be back now. You get a lot of those questions because it's not only about then you get that health thing thrown in there, but you've accomplished some incredible milestones this year. And I, I know you don't necessarily enjoy talking about them. But these are milestones, Mark Andre, that you just don't see every day. A thousand games in the NHL for a goaltender, five hundred and fifty-two wins. I know you're excited to some extent to have this ceremony on Friday, but are you also equally as excited to have it behind you so you just move on with the <laughs> yes, rest of your career? Definitely. Um, you know, I'm sure when I'm done, I'll look back, I'll be um, really happy that it happened, right, and and all that. But um, for now, I don't know. I just. Sometimes those things takes a while. You're just standing around, you know, while you're looking at you. And I would rather be in the net with my mask on and then go play hockey, right? So I think I'll be uh, just looking forward for everything to be to be done with. It has been announced that Gus will start uh, in Chicago on Wednesday. You're getting the start, which it comes to absolutely no surprise on Friday against your former team, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I only bring that up because. I know that things have changed in Pittsburgh a lot since you last played there, but there are a couple of names in particular that are still there. One of them, I think, is one of your best friends in Sidney Crosby. I know he's probably right about the same age as you. He doesn't look it. I was watching him in the All-Star weekend, and any time the Wild play that kid, man, I, I say kid. I mean, he's <laughs> in his late 30s now, but yeah. he just continues to grind. And as good as you are in goal, I, I think it could go without argument. He's one of the five best players to ever play this game, which is unbelievable. Yes, yes, I totally agree. Um, you see, I don't know. To me, he's such a good person, right? A good, uh, good guy in the room, good leader. Um, even when he was young, I mean, he came in the team and um, maybe didn't say as much then, but just by the way you work every day uh, in practice and games, uh, his intensity. He's a guy that. I plays hard all over the ice, right? Like 200 feet. And um, and guys gra- gravitate towards that, right? Like in practice, we had so many battles, you know, just you had to try your best because he is too, right? And uh, we had a lot of good battles, you know, trying to, um, you know, from making a save and him scoring, right? But he does that with everybody. He goes to the puck in the corner and then they'll make it hard on the D, right? And the D has to step it up. And I think everybody has to uh, to follow his lead that way. And, um and, and I know he's won. He's won uh, cups and he's been uh, one of the best players every year. That's taking you back in your history. Another guy that I've talked about with you in the past is Jules Malash. You've got his name scribbled on your on your mask. It's not scribbled on. It's in, imprinted on your in, in your mask with great respect. But again, for the folks that didn't hear that conversation, when I say Jules Malash, what comes to your mind as your former goaltender, coach, former mentor, all that other good stuff? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was... Uh, he was a um, 
when I first came on the team, he wasn't uh, my goalie coach right away. Right? He was still a scout, and um, but he came to watch me play when I was junior, and his big reason why I ended up in in Pittsburgh. And um, but then a couple of years later, I think he was a full time goalie coach with me, and um, and helped me you know, throughout those all those young uh, seasons that I you know that I was having. And um, I think he's a guy that played the game for a long time, had a lot of success, right, and. Um, I think it was good mentally, you know, to to hear his side of things and um, somebody I, I keep in touch and have a lot of respect for, you know. Feels like the two of you have a, a similar personality too, right? Off the ice, uh, he's a character, funny guy, and, yeah. and obviously we all know your personality. I'd have to assume that helps the meshing process. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, good laughs, you know, good smiles. Um, I think we both, you know, want to win also, right? That's very important, but uh, once we're away from the rink, I think we can... Uh, Relax and enjoy, enjoy the guys, enjoy the teammates. Last thing then, 33 games left on the schedule. We know where things are uh, in the standings. There's a precarious spot coming out of the All-Star break. Do you still have a firm belief in this squad as you make your way down the stretch? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we um, we all do, right? Uh, we all love to play uh, with each other um, on the ice. Um I don't know. I think we all believe. We all believe we can do it. And I think the fact that we're playing a lot of uh, divisional game, right, till, till the end of the season, I think that there's a lot of four-point games in there. So the, those, we have our faith in our... Is that what you said? Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you've hands, got faith. Right? Absolutely. We have, faith. we have our destiny in our hands, right? There you go. I think if we win those four-point games, you know, and uh, we're going to climb here, and um, I think we all believe that we that we can do it. Marc-Andre, it's been a pleasure watching you work here in a Minnesota Wild uniform. Good luck on Wednesday in Chicago. And for however possible, have some fun before the game on Friday. It's, a, it's an unbelievable milestone, so congratulations and good luck. All right, thank you so much. There you go, a conversation with Wild goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury, and his numbers are ridiculous. A future Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. 1,008 games now in the National Hockey League, 552 wins, 74 shutouts. But as good as a hockey player he is, He's even a better person. I think you can hear that, not just with that conversation, but anytime he opens his mouth. Just a phenomenal human being, good dude. Marc-Andre Fleury, real easy guy to root for no matter what uniform he's wearing. But to see him reach the towards the end, I don't know if this is the end. It could be next year. It could be two years from now. Who knows? But whenever it is, to know that Marc-Andre Fleury wore this Minnesota Wild uniform, I, I think as a Wild fan, that's pretty cool. I got another guy that's pretty cool? Pat Micheletti. He joins us next on this extended Minnesota Wild pregame. Well, thanks for checking us out. It's an extended Minnesota Wild pregame. We got a little extra runway here because of the fact the puck won't drop until 8.52 this evening. I'm a radio guy. Pat Micheletti, sure, he dabbles in radio, but deep down in your heart, Patrick, you're a TV guy, so some of this blame has to fall on your shoulders for these late puck drops at the bequest of a television guy. I've done my share of them, and uh, yeah, and, and even though you know I dabble in both, um, I uh, I don't like the I I you know me, Kevin. I'm I'm in bed, right? So I <laughs> do not like the late starts, and I do not like the very very late fan lines that we've had in the past. But you know what? We do it. Just to clarify, you're not actually in bed right now. You just mean like by the first period you will be in bed because it's too late. Drop of the puck I will be, no question. <laughs> well, that's too bad because I'm gonna put it I'm gonna I'm gonna record it 
and try to watch as much as I can. I got gotcha. you. I won't last long. I got gotcha. you. I mean, and, and I get it. I, I do like to stay up and watch late night hockey, and I do so. I, that's when my house is quietest. When everyone else goes right. to bed, I'll sit and watch a, a Kings-Oilers game that they drop the puck at about 9 o'clock at night. It's weird to do this in the middle of February. This isn't a playoff game. We're playing against the lowly Chicago Blackhawks. That yep. said, your wild team better come out with some playoff intensity. They need to hammer this Blackhawks team, and they need to come away with these two points, right? Well, yeah, no, there, there's, there's no doubt. I, I think for me, Kevin, they have 33 games left. I think the next five, five to seven games will tell you what is going to uh, happen with this team. If, um, you know, they're, they're, they, they need to get on a run and they can't get a, in, 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 get on a run, you know, 10 games from now. They have to do it starting tonight if there's any hope. Uh, you know, we we all understand where they're at. They're they're five teams behind, um, you know, from getting into a playoff, and uh, they're seven points. And those seven points are awfully awfully tough to make up at this juncture of the season. Not impossible. It can happen. They're going to come out with a lot of fire and energy. Um, but the but the bottom line is they're they're going to have to. Um, string a bunch of games together and 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 get hot you want to get controversial yeah so your paisan is getting back in the lineup and that is going to mean an opportunity gone by the wayside for adam beckman he's not going to make his uh, season debut tonight it'll probably happen sometime soon but brett blakemore livid at the fact that beckman is out letary is in brett would you like to argue your side of that i'm just saying in this season it, it feels like this is the time to see some of the young kids. And when I read saying this is Beckman's big break, here we go. Here's his one chance. And then he starts in the press box. Just a little frustrating. I'm not, you know, grabbing my pitchforks, but I'm a little frustrated. A little bothered. Okay. And, and here's how I'll counter that. Uh, right now, what they feel, and, and you can you can criticize their choices, but what they feel is the best team – um, to put on the ice to can try to get back in this thing is what they're doing. Now, I don't think Beckman's going back down anytime soon. And, in fact, I think you're going to probably see a boatload of him uh, if things do not go well in the next five to seven games. Uh, he's going to get in there. You know, the, the hope of, by all the fans were – you know, somebody knew. We haven't seen him. There was a lot of hype on him. Give him a chance. See what he can do. Um, you know, there, there's probably validation to that. Uh, but I think when, when they're looking at it, they're saying, okay, we got Letary back, and he's got to get back in the lineup, and um, this is what we think is the best team that is going to win the hockey game for us tonight. Yeah, you'll that's ha- my only explanation. I have nothing, um, nothing more I could add other than what I think they're thinking. I, I had this conversation with uh, Joe and Tom to start the uh, the the show here at the top of the hour. 
there, Patrick. And the return of Vinny Letary, I know he's not Kirill Kaprizov. He's not going to have a top six impact uh, on this evening. But before he went out of the lineup, even playing in that fourth line role, I liked what he brought to the table. And I think there's been a void missing there without him him out there. What have you liked about Letary in a wild uniform? And what are you anxious to see from him in his first game? He's missed 14 games with that injury. Well, I, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to uh, come right out there. I'm biased um, towards Vinny Letary. I've seen him play. I know him well. Um, I know his attitude. Uh, I, I know what he can do. I thought at times um, that he was playing with the wrong people. I thought at times that he wasn't playing enough. Uh, you know, he, he plays. He has the ability to score goals. I think he could be better in a top nine role. Uh, and I hope he gets that opportunity because I think there's a lot of upside there. And, uh, you know, so that's what I like about him. And uh, I think um, he can give this team a jolt it needs uh, in, a, in a top nine role. I don't know if that'll ever happen. See what happens tonight. Wild and Blackhawks. They'll drop the puck at the United Center at 8.52, so about 52 minutes from now. A lot of pregame festivities coming your way between now and then, and of course, we'll continue to preview the Wild and Blackhawks, but since I got you on the line, Pat, we talk a lot of Wild, we talk a lot of stuff uh, on Beyond the Pond, 10 a.m. to noon every Saturday morning. Let's talk a little NHL. I, I've had an opportunity to watch some of the... I, I did. I said I wasn't going to. I ended up watching a little bit of the All-Star stuff, including the games themselves, watching some of the skills, the draft, so on and so forth. But I'm I'm wondering, in your opinion now, when you look at the Western Conference and the landscape, especially considering what the Edmonton Oilers just went through and having a 16-game win streak halted, you still got the Colorado Avalanche. Who's the team to beat in the West in your mind? Whew. Uh, I, I, I tell you, I, I like Colorado. Uh, Colorado went through a phase during the – and we talked about this, Kevin – uh, when when Devin Taves uh, called out his teammates, yeah, and 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 that seemed to turn everything around a little bit for him. And I think um, you know, I, I think right now McKinnon um, is the best player in the world. I, I, I or he's playing at that level. Um, you know, there's so many good players, and I I I hate saying, oh, this guy's the best. Uh, there's a bunch of the best, but I just think he's on a level that is. Um, is you know just out of this world, and <clears throat> I think uh, I think they're excuse me I think they are probably destined to make some type of move um, at the deadline that is going to boost their team. Um, I and I and it'll be interesting to see what um, some of those other teams might do to counter that. Uh, and I'm talking the LA Kings. I'm yeah. talking the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, you know, and, and so I, but, but right now I, I, I have to favor Colorado. It, it's funny you say that because right now they're tied with the stars, top of the central division stars have won four in a row. Avalanche have dropped two straight. And I look at the scoreboard, the stars are skating in Toronto tonight. And actually, well, and I, it looks like the Maple Leafs have the three, two lead over big D there in Toronto. But that's interesting. I, I did watch a little bit of the avalanche game last night and I'll tell you what, Zach Parisi doesn't look rusty to me. Yeah, you know, I, he, he keeps himself in good shape, and I think that was probably the best move for him because, you know, uh, taking a pounding, ex- expending all of that energy uh, for 40-plus games at the beginning of the year, 
can really take its toll at the end of the year. And I think he probably had it in his mind that he didn't want to, um, he didn't want to uh, retire. And he, and in, 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 but I think he also realized that, you know what, I don't know if I can play a full season. And so they maybe have gotten him at the right time. Listen, he's not going to be in their top six. He's not going to, He's going to fill a role for him uh, on probably on that third line, and he, you know, he gets in front of the net, he causes some chaos, uh, and he'll play just enough minutes where he won't be burned out. I think so. Um, you know, it, it, right now it looks like a good pickup. Yeah, and if he wants an opportunity to win a cup, they've probably, I don't know what the odds He's are right, right now, yep. but they've got to be one of the odds on favor to at least emerge from the Western Conference. Uh, it's funny that we're talking about the Stars, we're talking about the Avalanche. You men- mentioned the Vancouver Canucks. Best record in the Western Conference, 73 points. They add Lindholm. He scores twice in his Canucks debut last night. Uh, are you a believer in, in what's going on in Vancouver? Well, man, are they playing out of their minds, and... Uh, they are talented up front. They, you know, I think that they're not done yet uh, in in terms of uh, what they need another piece, and I think they probably need another defenseman. And so, I it wouldn't shock me if they uh, uh, are are pretty active on the in the market. They've got great goaltender. Thatcher Demko is is a terrific goaltender, and. Uh, you know what? They're 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 playing extremely well. And you know, Kevin, you asked me who I who I like, and I forgot about Vancouver. Yeah, right. Game on, but um, <laughs> you know, but they've got uh, and they. You know what? They're a confident group now too. They're beating everybody. They're winning on the road. Uh, and and so they're going to be awfully tough to beat, too. It's another team that's going to be tough to beat over there in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Bruins. I think we talked about it earlier this season. They were supposed to be dead and buried. Bergeron's gone. Krejci's gone. Yet they continue to thrive right there at the top of the Eastern Conference. And that's, I'd have to assume, I don't want to put words in your mouth, that's the team to beat in the East. In my mind, who is it for you? Well, you know, and, and you forgot about David Krejci, too. Uh, you know, that that's too I said that during your cough, but that's all right. Lost. And you know what? Uh, <laughs> Jim Montgomery is a really, really good coach. And they play to his system, and they play it hard, and they play it tough, and they don't back down. Uh, you know, and with, with Pasternak and Marchand, is that going to be enough scoring? Uh, I know they, they have Zaka there, too. Um, but they're really – I tell you what, the East is loaded. I, you, Kevin, we could probably talk about five teams that could come out of the East, maybe more. Um, that's how good it is. You can't forget about Florida. They're playing really well. Uh, Carolina's down a little bit. The Rangers have stumbled a little bit, but they're going to be awfully tough to beat. New Jersey's battling a ton of injuries right now. They're going to be tough to beat. And and so um, it is. It, the, the Eastern Conference, I think th- those playoffs are going to be just phenomenal. Real quick about your Golden Gophers. I know there's a big one coming up this weekend at home against yep. Penn State. They got them Friday night at 6, the rematch Saturday afternoon at 3. Uh, we talked a lot about their overtime win over Bucky in Madison on Friday. Follow that up with a 1-1 tie in the rematch on Saturday night at the Kohl Center. Uh, How did you f- feel about your Gophers uh, over the course of the weekend? Well, they're dialed in now, um, and they're playing the way Bob um, – set out to be from the beginning of the year and the guys are starting to understand how they have to win games 
and they're they're you know they're playing really really well, trending the right way. They have a Penn State team coming in here who's a uh, a pain in the you know what to play against, but it's not a very talented Penn State team. So um, you know these are critical games. They all are. And, uh, you know, it, it, Minnesota comes to play, they'll be fine this weekend. Yeah, you say that, though. They went to Penn State, and they ended up settling for a yeah. split. So you, you say they're not very talented? No, not this year they're not. Uh, they're down a little bit. They, they they don't have enough depth. Their goaltending is, is a little down. Um, they're, 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 they're certainly uh, not the team they were a year ago, a team that almost made it to the Frozen Four. So, uh, you know, it, it's – Put it, put it this way, they're, they're in sixth place in the conference. It's probably where they should be uh, in, a, in a very, very good Big Ten conference. But um, if, if Minnesota uh, – and Minnesota's a different team than when they played them the last time. And so, uh, I, you know, I, I, I really think Minnesota should – sweet this weekend so much fun coming up on friday night and wild celebrating mark andre Fleury's 1000 games his 552 oh. victories wild fan line afterwards but you're picking frank and wally over at ono you're probably doing a tv aren't you no i got radio this week you got doing yeah. the radio so you are going to work with frank and wally you're picking them over me uh you know what? I, I wish there were two of me, Kevin, but there's not. <laughs> Honestly, but I got but I got you on Saturday morning. So hey, the, one is enough. We don't need two Pat Michelettis. Right. One is you know, more I'm than enough. To save you a little bit here too. Yes. So what what do we got going on beyond the pond? You, you have already someone lined up, and it's going to be a wonderful yeah, well, counter argument. Michael Russo from uh, the Oakland Athletics on. <laughs> we have, I mean, the Athletics. Yeah. We have Adam Wooden from uh, College Hockey News, who will give his opinion on the regional setup. And he's a little different. He's got a little different perspective than our good friend Brad Schlossman uh, from the Grand Forks Herald. So interested to, to see what he thinks on that. And then uh, I've done my job, Kevin. It's time for you to get to work. I'll do my part. And we've still got wild hockey coming up here in just a matter of moments. Um, over under nine fifteen. Are you going to make it past nine fifteen, or do you think your, your eyes are shut before then? Highly unlikely. I'll get there for the drop of the puck in the first eh, seven, eight, maybe 10 minutes of the, of the first period. All right. Well, hopefully you, I want uh, a detailed recap via text. It's all, it's, you know what? You can listen to the post game after the fact at podcast on maybe, Twitter. You know what? Maybe I'll, uh, Turn off the t- maybe I'll mute TV, yes, uh, and and listen to the game and fall asleep. Do, do it like the good old days, like listening to Al Shaver. Just turn on the transistor, mute exactly. TV. That's the way to you do know, it. That's what I used to do as a kid. Al Shaver, Dan Kelly on KMOX yeah. with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, I picked up all those games, and it was uh, it was the best. Hey, let me, Joe, and Tom put you to sleep tonight, Patrick. Thank you for your contributions, and I look forward to talking to you Saturday morning. Well, thanks for having me, Kevin. That is Pat Micheletti, my partner on Beyond the Pond. It's true. We're back on Saturday morning from 10 until noon on these very airwaves. Thanks to him, thanks to Brett Blakemore, and thanks to our cavalcade of guests. We had a lot of fun walking you up to the the, drop of the puck, but that's still coming up. 8.52, so there's hashtag more me next on KFAN. Beautiful Mountains. 